Just as the physical heart is the main organ of human life and the center of hidden emotional, intellectual, moral activity, the sacred heart of Jesus is the seat of all virtues, the source of all blessings, the place of refuge for all souls. Welcome to the Catholic Podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, Chloe Langer. We are welcoming to the podcast today a new guest. Um, he's joining us all the way from California, Father Laurent. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Chloe. Good to be here. Last episode that we recorded was episode 18, was fostering a devotion to the Sacred Heart. And Joe and I shared a lot about the facts and the history of the Sacred Heart. And Father Laurent, you're actually here in the studio with us listening. Um, so it's nice to have you back for round two, but with a mic so we get to hear you. So last week, a lot of facts, a lot of history. This week, we're really wanting to talk about developing a devotion to the Sacred Heart and sharing Father Lawrence's vocational story and the role that the Sacred Heart played in his life. One of my favorite stories about the Sacred Heart is the story of St. Luckgard. So St. Luckgard was a religious sister um, in the 1200s, and she was visited in a vision by Christ himself. And during this vision, Christ offers Luckgard whatever she wants. And so she asks for a simple gift, she wants to understand the Latin language a little bit better in the 1200s. This is the language of the church. And he gives her this gift. And so she automatically has this beautiful gift of learning. But in prayer, the next day, she goes back to Jesus and she talks about this emptiness that she still has. And so Christ offers her a gift exchange, a gift exchange for her language of Latin. And she asks for his sacred heart um, in exchange for this gift of learning. And so in this vision, Christ takes his sacred heart and puts it into the chest of St. Luckgard. And she describes how he took her heart and and took it into his chest. And so you have this beautiful spiritual heart transplant. And I think that story is such a beautiful background, Father Laurent, to your story um, and your vocational discernment. So for those who haven't had the honor of meeting you, can you tell us a little bit about your vocational discernment to the priesthood? Yes, absolutely. Glad to do it. Um, As you said, my name is Father Laurent Okitakachi, and I am a priest of the Diocese of Chumbe, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And I was ordained uh, on July 16th, 2017. So I've been priest for 11 months. So next year will be my first anniversary as a priest. Yeah, so kind of briefly about myself and my vocation story. It started when I was really very young. Back in the Congo, when I was in elementary school, I was an altar boy. So I used to serve Mass when I was growing up. And it was when I was really little that I felt that desire to become a priest. Then I told my parents that I wanted to become a priest and I was willing to go to the high school seminary, which is a boarding school, and I would go there for a whole year and come back only in summer. So I went there when I was 12. So I started my journey to the priesthood when I was 12 years old. And until last year, and I became a priest. So that's uh, kind of my background since my childhood. I really wanted to be a priest and serve God as a priest uh, for my diocese in the Congo. So in 2012, thanks to the friendship between my bishop and the bishop, the Archbishop of St. Louis, Archbishop Corson, I received a scholarship to come study theology at Kenrick Glennon Seminary. So I started learning English in my country, and you can tell I'm still learning and improving, so hopefully people can hear my accent. 
I started learning uh, English before I traveled to the U.S. in 2014. So that's when I started doing my theological studies at Kenrick Glennon Seminary, where I was blessed to meet Joe Heschmeyer. Yes, yes, a good friend. And this was a story that Joe sent over to me. That they published, Kendrick Glennick publishes a magazine called The Herald. Mm-hmm. And in that, you wrote about how the end of 2015, that year, was kind of a rough time for you. So can you share just a little bit about, I don't want to give too much away, I'll let you, let you share your medical diagnosis um, in, De- in December of 2015. 2015, yeah, that was only one year after I arrived in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So when I came, I was feeling well. I didn't have any significant problem. But the end of that year was really significant for me because it was rough. You know, in December, we had finals. And after finals, I felt that I needed to see a doctor. I was having some breathing problems. I had shortness of breath. And I couldn't keep up with some uh, physical activities. So after finals, I decided to go and see a physician and see what was going on. So much to my surprise, I was diagnosed, the the doctor, the family doctor told me, oh, you have a heart murmur. Why don't you go and see a cardiologist? Say, oh, okay, I will go. And I made an appointment and I met with the cardiologist. And then they they did uh, the echocardiogram. And the doctor called me to his office and told me that, you need to be a good man and you need to thank God for being here because you have, this is the term he used, you have a ginormous hole in your heart. So I had that uh, conge- congenital defect in my heart, which is called uh, atrial septal defect. And he told me that the only option for me was to have an open heart surgery because the hole was so big that they couldn't do, uh, do another thing except from um, doing an open heart surgery. So I was completely devastated, as you may imagine, because coming from the Congo, we don't really hear about open heart surgery. Medicine is not really as good as here. So for me, it was like the end of the world. I was convinced that maybe I would die. So it was really a rough time. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I had some heart issues back in last summer and being hooked up to an echocardiogram and having all these tests done on your heart. It's very much a reminder of your mortality. You're like, oh, my heart is very important. I need this organ. (laughs) How did you process the idea of open heart surgery? Or like, what was the process for you mentally, emotionally, spiritually throughout that process, like leading up to that surgery? Well, as you might imagine, it was really devastating. For me, I was both uh, grateful to the Lord for putting me in a country where the issue could be addressed. But at the same time, I was frightened because, you know, the heart, as you said, that's big. That's a yeah. big issue to have open heart surgery. For me, that was unheard of. So I was both grateful, but I was also worried because the way they explained to me, like they would really stop your heart and then work on it and put it to work again. That just sounded the mystery to me. Mm-hmm. So that idea of maybe my life would end or I would be a different person after surgery really invaded my heart. So I was really troubled. So that process was both spiritually and physically really devastating. I could pray, but maybe that the fear and all the anxieties uh, couldn't really help me have peace of heart and peace of mind. So I was really, it was overwhelmingly uh, troubling. So I needed at that time some uh, spiritual assistance from my classmates, from family, from people. And I had many people really help me, pray for me and support me. 
And it, it was just rough, rough, but I had people around me and God was great. What was the timeline from when you first had that diagnosis to your open heart surgery? So the diagnosis was, uh, I think, around December 15th. Mm-hmm. But the surgery was scheduled in January for, on January 14th. So I had like a whole month. That yeah. means the whole Christmas break was like really hell for oh, me. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember I was in Kansas. I was in Wichita with some of my classmates spending that time. But I was really devastated. Wow. So you talk about in this article that you've written on your experience, how while you were preparing for the surgery during that month, um, a saint who has this beautiful devotion to the Sacred Heart kind of found you. So how did St. Margaret Mary Alacoque help you foster a devotion to the Sacred Heart during this month over Christmas break while you're prepping for surgery? Sure, because uh, I don't really believe in what people call coincidence. Mm -hmm. And for me, everything is God's providence. Nothing really happens just at random. So interestingly enough, before I went for my appointment in December, after the Feast of Christ the King, we start every year, a new liturgical year. So one of our, uh, one of the seminarians at Kenrick had that magnificent idea of typing names of saints on small cards and then put them in a basket. Then he sent out an email. He said, I would like all of you in the community to go by the refectory and pick up one piece of paper with a scent on it. So we should be praying to all those saints we pick up. But when you pick up one saint, if you don't like him or her, don't put it, but don't put the, the piece of paper back. <laughs> so I got the email and you know, it was final time. I was kind of, well, maybe I will try to do it later. So I didn't really take it very seriously. So, but anyway, I stopped and I picked up that piece of paper and I opened, it was, St. Mar- Margaret Mary Alacoque. Well, I knew kind of, yeah, something about her. I said, well, Sacred Heart, well, okay. I put it in my pocket and mm-hmm. I walked away. And I never remembered anything about that thing, that simple gesture of picking that scent for my um, spiritual well-being throughout the whole year. So I went through the process of diagnosis and whatever, the meeting with my uh, doctor, I didn't really think any time about that gesture. But now in January, usually we have our retreat. And that was the retreat before our diaconate ordination. And during the retreat, interestingly enough, the whole talk was about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And even the first two days of the retreat, I didn't really remember that I had picked up a saint who is known for her devotion to the Sacred Heart. Then just one day I was doing my holy hour and that came to my mind as a miracle. Oh, I remember like three or four weeks ago, I picked up a saint who is known for this great devotion. And now I'm having some heart issues. And now the whole talk is about the sacred heart of Jesus and the priesthood and everything. So it came clear to my mind that there was a message that was sent to me at a time. St. Margaret Maria Lacoque, the devotion to the Sacred Heart, and now my own problem with my heart, and then what is waiting for me? The priesthood, which is really, again, the manifestation of the heart of Jesus in the church. So I started doing those, those connections and thinking about that and praying. 
But what was really helpful is I had a good spiritual director during the retreat. So I went and I shared with him. Then he was able to bring more explanation and to help me understand more and better what I was going through, that it was clearly a message from Jesus that he was really the center of what I was experiencing. So back to your question, that gesture really uh, helped me understand that there was nothing really fortuitous. It was God's message to me at the moment of desolation and the moment of trouble to find a place of consolation and a place of comfort and really to put that devotion at the heart of my life. That's beautiful. I love how saints follow us, how, yeah, there's no such thing as a coincidence. And Jesus knew what you were going to go through and sending that that uh, card with St. Margaret Mary's name on it ahead of yeah. time. <laughs> That's just really beautiful. Can you talk a little bit about just how Christ used that heart defect to draw you closer to him and his sacred heart and how you, you yourself built a devotion to the sacred heart? Mm-hmm. Well, as I said, I knew a little bit about St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, and I knew something about the Sacred Heart devotion. And as you said, last week we had you had a talk on the history and the theology. Mm-hmm. So it, for me, it was kind of head knowledge. Well, I studied it, and I knew what it was, and like the theology behind the devotion. But I didn't really practice it or think more about the devotion to the Sacred Heart or make many connections between the Sacred Heart and my vocation to the priesthood. So I think what happened to me right before my surgery and right before my ordination was a clear message from Jesus that he was calling me, who was drawing me closer to what is supposed to be the center of my ministry. Because as you may have read in the article I write, for me, I it was clear that the message that Jesus gave me was that he wanted to put my heart or my life in order before I could receive the sacrament of holy orders. <laughs> so I could find all those connections between, because can you imagine one time that our heart, physical heart, is the center of our physical life? It is really. And then by thinking about how serious that operation would be for me, Jesus wanted to turn my eyes to not focus much on myself, but focus on his heart, which was pierced so that we can have life. So he wanted to really draw me closer to himself by meditating upon what I was going through as physical pain. He wanted to draw me to his heart and center my worries and bring my desolation and whatever I was going through to him so that he could change me, but also help me be open to his sacred heart as the center of my future ministry, both diaconal ministry and priestly ministry. So that's how I really read the situation. That It was not mostly about my surgery, but it was about Jesus revealing his love to me and calling me to be really a ministry of his love to his people. I love how Jesus sometimes isn't very subtle with us, how he's wanting to encourage you to draw closer to his sacred heart. And he gets your attention in some ways, like through this congenital heart failure and how there's just like that beautiful connection of, of the physical and the spiritual in your life. That's incredible. You you kind of mentioned this, but I, I just want to dig into this point a little bit more. You mentioned how really the, the timing of your surgery is so providential, how 
you're in the United States at the time, which is just a great blessing in terms of medical availability for a surgery, but also just getting ready for your ordination and how this is such a beautiful time to dig into his heart because, yeah, Christ calls priests to, to live out his love to his people here on the earth and just a beautiful timing when it comes to this surgery. So in the Herald, you write, praying and reflecting on the importance and the centrality of my physical heart, I now understand that there's no other way that my future ministry could have become effective and fruitful than being rooted in and drawn from the sacred heart, from the sacred heart of Jesus. How have you lived out and shared that devotion of the sacred heart in your vocation as a priest? What does that look like in your in your daily life? Actually, the way I understand the sacred heart of Jesus is that it is the summary of Christianity because the pierced heart of Jesus, as Pope Benedict XVI said, it's God's own heart which is open. And here in that heart we see who God is really. And heaven is no longer locked up. God has stepped out of his place where we could think that he's hidden. So God has really manifested himself in Jesus through his sacred heart. So for me, the devotion of the sacred heart is the summary of Christianity. And if the sacred heart of Jesus shows us who God is, and we know from St. John that God is love, then the devotion to the sacred heart becomes for me a daily effort to be like God. Because if God is love, then I need to be like God to love. And from St. Thomas Aquinas, we know that to love is to will the good of the other. So for me, the better way to practice the devotion to the sacred heart, which is a devotion about the love of God, is to see in which ways every day as a priest, how am I really being God to others? How am I loving? How am I willing the good of the other? So to live out the devotion to the sacred heart is really that constant effort. That it was the concern of Jesus in every day in his life, Jesus was concerned not with himself, but with others. So for me, the better way to press the devotion is, first of all, to know in which ways I can really love, both in words and in action. So that's the first way how I can speak about my devotion, because as a priest, as Pope Francis said, the heart of, of a priest is a pierced heart. And the devotion to the sacred heart is mostly about showing that love which is overflowing from the heart of the priest. I am another Christus. I am another Christ to others. So from my heart, I need to show others what it means to love. And if I'm not grounded, and if my ministry doesn't flow from this heart of Jesus, then my ministry is nothing. So it's first of all about being there for others just as Christ himself offered himself for others. My priestly ministry needs to be grounded, rooted in the heart of Jesus, which is a heart of love. And that can be shown in many other ways. Very practically, as a priest, I have to be with the people who are suffering. For example, if I go see people in the hospital or see the homebound, those people who are suffering, how am I being Christ to them? Because Christ, as you read in the scriptures, was always moved with compassion. So he would suffer with those who are suffering. And to suffer or to have compassion, compatire, means to suffer with. So if I'm a priest, how am I really part of the suffering of the people I'm ministering to? 
So that's another way to show my devotion to the Sacred Heart because it is a heart which was pierced by our weaknesses, our sinfulness. So if I am a Christ to others, I need to show how I suffer with others. So my ministry should be that sharing in the suffering of others just as Christ has shared in our suffering too. And that is even more practical in the confessional where you really experience the mercy and love of God to the people of God who come with all humility and brokenness to entrust themselves to the mercy of God and have the privilege to be the channel of mercy, to be that instrument that God uses to bring about peace, reconciliation and healing. So if I'm not really the person who experienced first this mercy of God, then I might not be able to convey the mercy of God to others, mostly in the sacrament of reconciliation. So those are the practical ways. First, to show how to love, and it had to be practical in the sacrament of reconciliation, in visiting the sick and homebound. And I would even start from there. The heart or the center of this, the devotion should be the, the Holy Eucharist. So that's where really the devotion to the Sacred Heart has its root. And because you asked me how I have been living my life in regard to this devotion, I always remember the words that I heard on my ordination. When you become priest on the ordination day, the bishop takes the chalice and the pattern and he gives you with the Eucharistic species on it. And he, say, and he will say to you, understand what you do, Imitate what you celebrate and conform your life to the mystery of the Lord's cross. That's really powerful. Because the, the Eucharist is the most eloquent expression of the devotion to the Sacred Heart. So I pray every day that I would live as a Eucharistic priest. A Eucharistic priest is a priest who really conveys to others the love of God and the mercy of God most in the Eucharist, in the celebration of the Eucharist. And if I have to convey the love of God, I need to be a person who can love sacrificially, universally, and gratuitously, because that's what Christ did. This reminds me a lot of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where St. Paul writes to the Corinthians and tells them, you know, if you don't have love, you're a resounding gong. You can't give what you don't have. And so if you're living a life that's supposed to be a reflection of Christ's love, a, a Eucharistic priest, and you're not yourself filled up with love, then where you can't you can't give what you can't have. So that's absolutely beautiful. It makes me so thankful as a Catholic to sit and hear a priest talk about your vocation that way. Like, thank you so much for living out that vocation of love because I know you're, you're touching hearts. It's really beautiful. For listeners who are listening who aren't priests, who aren't, aren't called to the vocation of the priesthood, but perhaps are living a life of a single person right now, living family life, whether that's, you know, in marriage or in the throes of having little people. Do you have any tips on how to, how to foster devotion to the sacred heart in their life um, and what that looks like in, in their vocation? Well, that's a good question. Um, the devotion to the sacred heart really encompasses the whole Christian life. So, there are many ways in which people can practice the devotion to the Sacred Heart, and it really still makes sense. But I would maybe take very practical things, which maybe we take um, for granted, and not knowing that they express also the devotion to the Sacred Heart. And the first place I would start is the Eucharist. Go to Mass. That's the first place where we experience the love of God 
and where we practice the devotion to the sacred heart because in the eucharist christ is giving himself body and uh, body and body and blood soul and divinity there he is there and his heart which is overflowing with love is being there and we go and contemplate that and receive many graces so as we read in the sacrosanctum concilium the eucharist is the source and summit of christian life so unless the eucharist is the center of our life we cannot really say that we are eucharist people or the people of the sacred heart of jesus so the second heart of Jesus, if we really want to be the people who foster this devotion, we should reach first the people who go to Mass. Because that's where we get life, that's where we get the energy to continue our journey. So the, I would start from there, the Eucharist. We go there not as people who just go and see a spectacle or just people who go there to see the priest doing. No, we go there and we participate in the Eucharist because both us and the priest we offer the sacrifice of Mass in virtue of our common priesthood we also offer our worries our prayers whatever we have we make it as an offering and we offer to God with the celebration of the Eucharist so the first place I would start the Eucharist there is no, no better place to start with the devotion than the Eucharist. And speaking of the Eucharist, I would even go further and say, it's not only about Mass. What about adoration and holy hour? As a priest, I am encouraged every day to make a holy hour. Because that's where I get my strength. That's where the only way for me to be effective in my ministry is to spend time with Jesus. So he can teach me how to be effective and how to draw more people to himself. Because the energy and the gifts, whatever the priest can do, either preaching, confession, ministry, corporal, spiritual works of mercy, if they are not rooted in the Eucharist, in the heart of Jesus, then they don't mean anything. So frequent adoration and the holy hour really helps one uh, understand the love of god which flows from the heart of jesus and another way is the consecration to the heart of jesus with the morning offering more uh, practically because in the morning you wake up and you consecrate yourself to this heart which is loving which is the manifestation of god himself so if every morning we would consecrate our life our work our worries, our anxieties, our health, our families, whatever we do, if we place it before the Lord, before the, whole, the, the sacred heart of Jesus, then we know that our life doesn't belong to ourselves. We are not the center of the universe. We are not the center of our life. But it is Christ who is the center of our life. So if we can, from the morning, entrust ourselves and our cares and our worries to the Lord, and consecrate ourselves to this, the sacred heart of Jesus, then we will make sure that we are in good hands and that Christ will have the steering wheel of our life. And also, just to add to that, corporal and spiritual works of mercy. St. James said that the love which is not shown in works is nothing. So if we are really true Christians, we need to love and this love has to be shown in what we do for others. As I said in the beginning, to love is to weigh the good of the other. So to weigh the good of the other is also shown in a way we care for others, how we care for the poor, 
how we help others discover Christ. So if we can also do those works of charity, that is also another way to be practical with the devotion to the Sacred Heart. Because there was a heart moved with pity, as I said. And if we can be moved with pity and compassion in the face of misery and suffering, then there is no better way to express and to show the devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And maybe I would end the list with confession. You talk with joy about reparation and consoling the heart of Jesus. And confession is that place where we show our brokenness. We show our sinfulness in all humility. And because sin is something which damage God's love in the world, we go there to make a reparation, to offer Christ more consolation, more joy of seeing us coming back to him and honoring the love that he showed us on the cross. So confession is really another place where we show our brokenness and where we learn to love God anew so that we can love the way Christ loved. So I would say those are some ways in which way in which can help us understand the devotion, but also be very practical as people who practice the devotion to the Sacred Heart. Incredibly practical, like starting your morning with the with the morning offering. We talked about that last in last week's episode. Just how before you reach for your cell phone, before you check social media, how beautiful it is to be able to consecrate your day to to the Sacred Heart. I think too, like for people who have little people. I know I grew up in a family with lots of little kids running around, and how there's so many um, opportunities to practice corporal and spiritual works of mercy in a family setting. Like if your little person is needing a drink and you give them a drink, like then you're serving them and you're giving drink to the thirsty. If you are putting dinner on the table, you are feeding the hungry. And so I think this is so beautiful, beautifully practical for anybody um, in any stage of, voca- in, of their vocation and, and their life. And I, I think too, so beautifully, like these are things that we can do um, on a regular basis, but then seeing them through the lens of the sacred heart gives them that much more Um, beauty and practicality and devotion in our life. Father Laurent, thank you for your time today. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for living out your vocation to the priesthood um, and sharing your devotion to the Sacred Heart. It was just beautiful to see how this devotion is lived out tangibly in someone's life. So thanks for your time today. Oh, you're welcome, Claudia. It was my pleasure to join you and to share my experience of this devotion. And I ask for prayers from everybody who is listening to me that I greatly need your prayers so that I can remain always a priest according to the heart of Jesus. So let's close out the episode with a glory be in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, never shall be, water without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.